Hello, and welcome to the Murder House Radio Show. I'm your host, X. On this show, we will be covering serial killers, killers, mass shooters, disappearances, true crime, and the most deplorable things and people in history. All that good, dark stuff. The Murder House Radio Show will be a radio show slash podcast. I'll be uploading videos every Friday at 4pm Mountain Standard Time. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Once you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification and select all to get all notifications if you are viewing on YouTube. And hit follow if you are listening on a podcasting platform. So sit down, get comfortable, grab some coffee or whatever your preferred beverage is, turn off the lights, and enjoy the show. Hey guys, how's your Friday going? I hope it's going good. Let me know down in the comments how it's going, and I hope you're having a good month so far. Halfway done almost, about one one or two more weeks-ish. But uh, yes, if you wish to ask for some advice to be covered at the end of the podcast slash broadcast, email it to me on the podcast email in the description. As well, the sources are also in the description below so go check those out for more information but uh yeah there's nothing new in my life or whatever so far but uh yeah (laughs) so there is that but uh yeah let me know how you uh beautiful fucks are doing and uh yeah let's get in to today's episode Today's episode will be on Eileen Carlo Lee Warnos. She is the first female serial killer I am covering on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, there's that. She was born on February 29th, 1956. She was an American serial killer and sex worker who murdered seven men in Florida in 1989 and 1990 by shooting them point-blank range. So Warnos claimed claimed that her victims had either raped or attempted to rape her while they were soliciting sex from her and that all of the homicides were committed in self-defense. You see, that makes sense right there since she was a sex worker and sex workers have to put up with some fucking fuck-ass shit. But I guess it comes with their line of work, sadly. That's why I think if they should do it, and it's still like a thing, it should become legal. So even though the government would run it, they'd have government-run brothels or whatever. It's all nice and safe and regulated and whatever. They have bouncers outside the doors. And they could avoid all that type of shit or whatnot. And uh, it'd be much safer for... uh, the workers and the clients and then you know they wouldn't have to put up with pimps or anything but uh yeah that's what i think but it makes perfectly good sense that it's uh self-defense or whatnot but she was sentenced to death for six of the murders and was executed by lethal injection on october 
October 9th, I almost said 29th, 2002. So there is a film, Monster Chronicles, Warno's story from childhood. And, oh, what? So there's a, there's a movie about her called Monster Chronicles or whatnot. I'm pretty sure that's what that said. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, uh, details her childhood and her first murder conviction. So there is that. But um, I've never gotten too deep into her. I've heard of her case or whatnot, but I've never gotten too deep into it or her life or anything like that. So we will be learning about this stuff together if this is your first time hearing about her like it is mine or whatnot. But uh, yeah, let's delve deeper into her life. And uh, find out what's up and see why she might have done the things she, she's done. So, Eileen Warnos was born February 29th, 1956, like I said. Her mother, Diane Warnos, was uh, 14 years old when she married her father, 16-year-old Leo Dale Pittman. Huh. So on June 3rd, 1954, Eileen's older brother, Kenneth Keith, was born on March 14th, 1955. So um, after less than two years of marriage and the two months before Eileen was born, uh, Diane filed for divorce, okay? Um, Warnos didn't meet her father, and he was incarcerated when she was born. Leo Dale Pittman was diagnosed with schizophrenia and later convicted of sex crimes against children. Okay, then. Um, he killed himself by hanging in prison on January 30th, 1969. Good fucking pedo. In January 1960, when Warnos was almost four... Danny, Diane abandoned her children, leaving them with their maternal grandparents. So, Lori and Burnett Warnos, okay. They were both alcoholics who legally adopted Keith and Aline on March 18, 1960. By the age of 11, Warnos began engaging in sexual activities in school in exchange for cigarettes, drugs, and food. Jeez, that's sad. Um... <clears throat> she had also engaged in sexual activities with her brother. Ooh, that's fucked up. Uh, Warno said that her alcoholic grandfather had sexually assaulted and beaten her when she was a kid. Before beating her, he would force her to strip out of her clothes. Ooh, that's fucked up. So in 1970, at age 14, she began. She uh, got pregnant. And um, she having been raped by an accomplice of her grandfather. So it might have been her grandfather's kid or a fucking friend of the grandfather's is what it sounds like, but that's still fucked up. So rough childhood, nonetheless, is what I'm hearing here. Very rough. Warnos gave birth to a boy at home for un at a home for unwed mothers on the 23rd of March, 1971. And the child was placed up for adoption. A few months after her son was born, she dropped out of school. 
around the same time that her grandmother died of liver failure. Oof. Um, when Helene was 15, her grandfather threw her out of the house and she began supporting herself by using sex work and living in the woods near her old home. Jesus Christ, that's fucked up, man. That is fucked up. So, so far, a very sad upbringing, plagued by uh, hardship and fucked up shit. So, um, her early criminal record slash activities, it says here on the 27th of May, 1974, when she was 18, she got arrested in Jefferson County, Colorado for driving under the influence, disorderly conduct, and firing a 22 caliber pistol from a moving vehicle, so it drive by. But, um, yeah. And she was later charged with failure to appear, okay? And then in 76, Warno's hitchhiked to Florida, where she met 69-year-old Yacht Club president Louis Gratzfell. They married quickly, and the announcement of their nuptials was printed in the local newspaper's society pages. Okay, whatever that means. So I guess he got married, and it got printed in the newspaper or whatnot. But, um, Warnos continually involved herself in confrontations at the local bar and went to jail briefly for assault, okay? She also hit Fell with his own cane, landing him to gain a restraining order against her within weeks of the marriage. Oh, so she's on that domestic abuse shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's fucked up, bro. She returned to Michigan, and then this was uh, July 14th, 1976. She was arrested in... Antrim County and charged with assault and, and disturbing the peace for throwing a cue ball at a bartender's head. <laughs> Fuck's sakes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> breach of the peace or, distur or distur disturbing the peace is a legal term used in constellation law in English-speaking countries. And in a public order senses, several jurisdictions, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I think disturbing the peace is bullshit and disorderly conduct for the most part. Like, as long as it's not, like, late at night or some shit and all that. And if you're not, like, flashing people and fucking, like, going up to people and harassing them. If you're just being loud as shit in public, people need to mind their fucking business as long as it's not a... Affecting them directly. But, uh, yes. There is a bunch of annoying cunts in the world. <laughs> It'd be like that sometimes. But then it says here, On July 17th, her brother Keith died of esophageal cancer, and Warnos received $10,000 from his life insurance. Warnos and Fell annulled their marriage on the 21st of July, after only nine weeks. Jesus. <laughs> In August 1976, Warnos was given a $105 fine for drunk driving. She used the money inherited from her brother to pay the fine and spent the rest 
within two months buying luxuries, including a new car, which she wrecked shortly after. So she was just one wild fucking gal. One wild gal. So and then on the 20th of March, uh, the 20th of May, 1981, Warnos was arrested in Edgewater, Florida for an armed robbery of a convenience store. Well, that fucking escalated, jeez. Where she stole $35 and two packs of cigarettes. So yes, get in armed robbery, you can catch like a life sentence or like fucking football numbers. Football numbers is like double digit numbers, by the way. But yeah, you can get a hefty ass sentence for armed robbery is fucked. Um, she was sentenced to prison on May 4th, 1982 and was released on June 30th, 1983. On May 1st, 1984, Aline was arrested for attempting to pass forged checks at a bank in Key West. Another hefty charge. Jesus, how is she still free? On November 30th, 1985, she was named a suspect in the theft of a revolver and ammunition in Pasco County. There is that. Holy fucking wild. And then, on January 4th, 1986, Aline was arrested in Miami. And she was charged with car theft, resisting arrest, and obstruction of justice for providing identification bearing her aunt's name, so a false name. Miami police officers found a, uh, an odd thirty-eight caliber, so it just says a .38 caliber revolver and a box of ammunition in the stolen car. So that could be a fucking... Uh, Weapon in the possession of a felon charge, too, right there. Holy. On June 2nd, 1986, Volias County deputy sheriffs detained Warnos for questioning after a male companion accused her of pulling a gun in his car and demanding $200 for another armed robbery attempt. Warnos was found to be carrying... Spare ammunition and police discovered a twenty-two pistol under the passenger seat she had occupied. <laughs> I it boggles my mind how she's still freaks. I guarantee if this was a dude, sadly he'd be fucking locked up forever. They'd bury him under the prison because these are some fucking wild charges right here. It says uh by this time or around here. Warnos met Tyra Moore, and she was a hotel maid, and she met her at a, a Daytona Beach lesbian bar, and they moved in together, and Warnos supported them with her earnings after us, with uh, her earnings from sex work. And then on July 4th, 1987, Daytona Beach police detained Warnos and Moore at a bar for questioning regarding an incident in which they were accused of assault and battery with a beer bottle. On the 12th of March, 1988, Warnos accused Daytona Beach bus driver for assault. She claimed that he pushed her off the bus following, following a confrontation. Moore was listed as a witness to the incident. Up until her execution, Warnos claimed to still be in love with Moore. Well, shit. So it just seems here that her life 
sad, tragic, and then she was living that criminal right life on a crime spree, always getting into trouble. And, uh, yeah, so she was just in the streets, literally doing a bunch of fuck-ass shit. But there is that. It's pretty fucking wild, so no stranger to the law up until her murders. So, her murder victims was Richard Charles Mallory, David Andrew Spears, Charles Edmund Carson Candon, Peter Abraham Symes, Troy Eugene Burris, Charles Richard Hempers, and Walter Gino Antonio. Well, shit. And none of her victims were under the age of 40. So, you know, there is that. So, Richard Charles Mallory was 51, and he died on November 30th, 1989. He was an electric store owner in Clearwater. And, um, Warnos's five victim, for, oh, her first victim, was a convicted rapist whom she claimed to have killed in self-defense. So if he's a convicted rapist, this one makes sense for self-defense. But, um, Aline claimed she was sodomized and brut brutally beaten after being driven to an abandoned area for a sexual request. Okay. Two days later, a Volia's County Deputy Sheriff found Mallory's abandoned vehicle. Okay. On December 13th, his body was found several miles away in a wooded area. He had been shot several times. Two bullets to the left lung were found to have been the cause of death. Okay, so this one sounds like self-defense. It sounds like they got out of the car, went into the woods. He fucked her up and uh, raped her, basically. And uh, he sh she shot him. Simple as that. Well, that's at least what it sounds like. And then it says here, David Andrew Spears was 47. He was a construction worker in Winter Garden. He was um, declared missing, actually, on uh, May 19th, 1990. And on June 1st, 1990, his naked body was found alongside the U.S. Route 19 in Florida. He had been shot six times with a twenty-two caliber pistol. So he is found naked. That's not self-defense. I hate to break it to you, so that one's a little sus. Um, and then Charles Carcadon was 40. And, uh, he was a part-time rodeo worker. And on June 6, 1990, his body was found in Pasco County. He had been shot nine times with a 22 caliber pistol. His body had been wrapped in an electrical blanket and was badly decomposed when found. Witnesses saw Warnos in possession of uh, his car. And Warnos had also pawned a gun identified as belonging to Car Secondo. Okay, so there's not really anything uh, for self-defense or any other motive, so you never know with this one. So there is that. Peter 
Peter Abraham Symes was 65, and he's a, a he was a retired merchant seaman. Uh, seaman, ha ha ha. So um, in June 1990, Symes left Jupiter, Florida, for Alaska. Oh fuck, that's a fucking mission and a half. On July 4th, 1990, his car was found in Orange Spring, Florida. Moore and Warnos were seen abandoning the car, and Warnos, and Warnos's palm print was found on the interior door handle. His body was never found. Okay, so this one seems a little sus too. A little sus. Um, Troy Eugene Burrs was fifty, and he was a sausage salesman. <laughs> okay, um. He, on July 31st, 1990, he was reported missing, and on August 4th, his body was found in a wooded area along the State Road 19 in Marion County. He'd been shot twice. So this one, I don't know, man. Because usually in self-defense, I wouldn't say it's overkill, but like at the same time, it makes more sense than, like, a mag dump unless he was... I don't know. I don't know, man. Because mag dumps are usually a panicked move, and you just want them to stop coming at you, right? But, um, especially if you're shot with, like, a twenty two or something like that, a mag dump is perfect. But if you're shot with a high, higher caliber bullet, and he went down after the two shots and died, there's no need for further shots. So it could also be self-defense, but... You know, I don't see... All of these ones I've read so far, with the exception of the one, have no previous uh, mention of a sexual assault record or anything of the sort. So, it's definitely uh, definitely weird and interesting. But uh, anyways, Charles Richard Humphreys, Humphreys was 56... And uh, he was a retired Air Force major. Oh, shit. And a f former state child abuse investigator. Oh, shit. Okay. So a good dude. A good dude so far. And former chief of police. Okay. So this one definitely doesn't sound like a rapist, but you never know. On September 12th, 1990, his body was found in Mario... Marino County, he was fully clothed and had been shot six times in the head and torso. That's not self-defense. Uh, his car was found in Sawanee County. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely not self-defense right there. A good, respectable guy, blah, 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 blah. And then he was shot six times in the head and torso. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. And Walter Gino Antonio was 62. He was a trucker, security guard, and a police reservist, word. Um, on the 19th of November, 1990, Antonio's nearly naked body was found near a remote logging road in Dixie County. He had been shot four times. Five days later, his car was found in Beverly County. Well, since it was a since he was found in a remote place, maybe he was killed somewhere else and brought there. 
But if he was killed there, it very very well possibly could have been self-defense. So only two of these so far sound like uh, self-defense or whatever so far. So she was definitely had a knack for killing, it sounds like, for all but two of these uh, victims. So it sounds. But the only people who will know are the only people who were there. The victims who are now dead and Warnos who is now dead. So uh, leave your thoughts in the comments. What do you guys think? Give me your opinions. Was it self-defense or was there a bunch of fuckery at play here? So the police caught Warnos. Because um, on July 4th, 1990, Warnos and Moore abandoned Syme's car after they were involved in a crash. Uh, witnesses who seen the women driving the victim's car provided the police with their names and description. Okay. Resulting in a media campaign to locate them. Police also found some of the victim's belongings in pawn shops and retrieved... Fingerprints matching those found in the victim's cars. Warnos had a criminal record, like I mentioned earlier, and this was in Florida, and her fingerprints were on file, so that was pretty shut and closed or whatever. And then on January 9th, 1990, 1991, Warnos was arrested on an outstanding warrant at the Last Resort, a biker bar in... Belize County Police located more the next day in Sacramento, Pennsylvania. So she got the fuck out of there, okay. She agreed to a lick to confession from Warnos in exchange from immunity from the prosecution, okay. So she's snitching. Moore returned with police to Florida where she was put in a motel under police guidance. She made numerous phone calls to Warnos pleading for her help in clearing her name. Three days later, on the 16th of January, 1991, Warnos confessed to the murders. She claimed the men had tried to rape her and she killed them in self-defense. Word. And like I said, only two of those murders seemed like they possibly could have been self-defense. Um... A year later, on January 14th, 1992, Warnos went to trial for the murder of Mallory, although previous convictions are normally inadmissible in criminal trials. Under Florida's Williams rule, the prosecution was allowed to introduce evidence related to her other crimes to show a pattern of illegal activity, in which there definitely was. On January 27th, 1992, Warnos was convicted on Mallory's murder with the help from Moore's testimony. At her sentencing, psychiatrists for the defense testified that Warnos was mentally unstable and had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. Four days later, she was sentenced to death. Do, do, do. And then. Um, on March 31st, 92, Warnos pled no contest, which means no condores. <laughs> condore is a legal term that comes from the Latin phrase, I do not wish to contend. It is also referred to no contest. So that means 
they're neither admitting to doing it or not doing it. Like, meh, meh, meh. So they're not admitting to anything or whatever, basically. I'm pretty sure that's what that means. So she pleaded no contest to the murders of Humphreys, Burries, and Spears, saying she wanted to get right with God. Oh, shit. In her statement to the court, she said in one part, I wanted to confess to you that Richard Mallory did violently rape me, as I've told you, but these others did not. Only did not. They only began to start to, okay? So, um, Richard Ma she said Richard Mallory raped her, and the others tried, but she killed them all. And on May 15th, 1992, Warnos was given three more death sentences. Well, shit. Okay, and then, um, on the... On June 1992, Warnos pled guilty to the murder of Carsacadone. In November 1992, she received her fifth death sentence. The defense made efforts during the trial to introduce evidence that Mallory had been tried for uh, intent to commit rape in Maryland and he had been committed to a maximum security correctional facility that provided remeditation to sexual offenders. Okay. So there is all that. There is all that, my dudes. So it says here that uh, in 2001, petition for the Florida Supreme Court, she stated her intentions to dismiss her legal counsel and terminate all pending appeals. And it says here, I in quotations, I killed those men, she wrote, robbed them as cold as ice. And I'd do it again, too. There's no chance in keeping me alive or anything, because I'd kill again. I have hate crawling through my system. I am so sick of hearing this she's crazy stuff. I've been evaluated so many times. I'm competent, sane, and I'm trying to tell the truth. I'm one who seriously hates human life and would kill again. Well, shit, there is that. Maybe she's one of those women who just have a serious fucking hate for men from all the wrong men have caused her in her life. Maybe makes sense, but, um, yes. Her attorneys argued that she was not mentally competent to make such a request. Warnos insisted that she knew what she was doing. And a court-appointed panel of psychiatrists agreed. So there is that. So, uh, Warnos began accusing prison maternors of tainting her food with dirt, spit, and piss. She said she had overheard conversations amongst prison personnel, quotations, trying to get me... So pushed over the brink by them, I'd wind up committing suicide before the execution, unquote, and, quote, wishing to rape me before execution, unquote. Um, she also complained of strip searches 
tight handcuffs, door kicking, frequent window checks, low water pressure, mildew on her mattress, and catcalling in disdain and pure hatred towards me. Warnos threatened to boycott showers and food trays when certain officers were on duty. In the meantime, my stomach's growling away, and I'm taking showers through the sink of my cell. Her attorney stated that Miss Warnos really just wants to have her proper treatment, human treatment, until the day she's executed, he added. She believed what she written. Okay. So, the weeks before her execution, Warnos gave a series of interviews to Broomfield and talked about being taken away to meet God and Jesus and the angels and whatever is beyond the beyond. In her final interview, she once again charged that her mind was tortured. Makes sense. At BCI, and her head crushed by sonic pressure, okay? Food poisonings and other abuse worsened, she said. Each time she complained, the goal to make her appear insane or to drive her insane. She also turned on her interviewer, You sabotage my ass, society, and the cops and the system. A raped woman got executed and was used for books and movies and shit. Her final on-camera words were, Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Don Botanik, Botikins, a childhood friend of Warnos, later told Broomfield that her verbal abuse was direct at society, directed at society and the media in general, not at him specifically. Okay. Um, yes, so when Warnos was executed, she declined a last meal, which could have been anything under $20, and she wanted a cup of black coffee instead. Her last words were, yes, I will just like you say, I'm sailing with the rock, and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus June 6th, like the movie, Big Mother Ship and all, I'll be back, I'll be back. And then she was executed. She died at 9.47 a.m. She went, she was the 10th woman in the United States and the second in Florida to be executed since the 1976 United States Supreme Court decision resorting capital, capital punishment. Word. So there is all of that. Um, so her body was cremated and her ashes were spread in a tree. Uh, her ashes were spread beneath a tree in her native Michigan by her childhood friend, Dwayne Bokins. Warnos requested that Natalia Merchant's song... Carnival be played at her funeral. Okay. And merchants commented on this when asked why she permitted Carnival to be played during the credits of the documentary Eileen, Life and Death of a Serial Killer. And then it says here, when director Nick 
Broomfield sent a working edit of the film, I was so disturbed by the subject matter that I couldn't even watch it. Aline Warnos led a tortured life, and that is beyond my worst nightmares. It wasn't until I was told that Eileen spent many hours listening to my album, Trigger Lily, while on death row and requested Carnival be played at her funeral that I gave permission for the use of the song. It's very odd to think of a place, of the places my music can go once it leaves my hands. If it gave her some solace, I have to be grateful. So there's that. There is that there's also um a bunch of movies documentaries and stuff like that about her tv shows all that stuff music and uh yeah she was definitely a interesting one definitely an interesting one let me know what you think about her and her case which ones do you think were self-defense if any and uh yeah just let me know what you think but uh yeah. Once again, there is no advice to be covered at the end. This makes me sad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So that is Eileen Warnos. Thank you for listening to this episode on the Murder House Radio Show. I hope you have a good rest of your Friday or whenever you're listening to this. Check out the social medias and the sources in the description below. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Once you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification and select all notifications if you are listening on YouTube. If you are listening on a podcasting platform, hit follow. Leave your suggestions for future episodes in the comments. See you next episode. This is your host X, signing off.